The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz right here on VOW FM 88.1. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Braunfontein, Johannesburg. The time has just gone by 2 after 6 p.m. on this Thursday. It is the 2nd of August 2018, which means it's time for us to give you the Business Buzz for your weekly roundup of business and economics news. I'm joined in studio by my uh, partner in crime, Ashlingiwe. How are you, Ashlingiwe? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Ah, No, no, no. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How was your week? The week has been fantastic. It's been uh, challenging, but um, I feel like that's where we grow when we are challenged. Okay, cool. So, yes, you heard I'm um, in studio with the Tlingyu Zondo. My name is Mudio Mob Justice Kawas, and we will be in studio until about 7 p.m. On today's show, we're looking at branding and image communication. Uh, that's what we are going to be talking about on today's show. Uh, we're going to be talking to, as I'm sure a lot of people have um, actually seen or noticed out there, that APSA recently changed uh, a little bit of its colors and uh, its logo as well. So, we're going to be talking to their of marketing around what gave them uh, the impetus to actually do that how did they go about it and why did they choose this particular time to actually make that switch and then we're going to be in studio with uh, Chantal Riley who is from PR Works who's going to be uh, giving us a more broad overview of how um, companies should be imaging themselves how uh, companies should be representing themselves in the public eye and what advice she has for up and coming business people so that's how our show is looking like. As I said, we're here until 7 p.m. But also on the other side of this, we're going to be getting into our business wrap. Uh, that's the part of the show where we give you the week's top trending business and economics news. And then straight after that thing, it will be giving us the Buffalo Index because we want to know what can you do with your 100 Rand. On the other side of this, we get into our business wrap. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. This is the Business Buzz right here on VOFM 88.1. Right now, it's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we're joined by our financial expert. We have Zanele Kunene, who is from BDO Wealth Advisors, to give us that roundup. How are you, Zanele? I'm good in yourself, Mediwa. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So I understand that there are other things that have been going on in the news apart from the Zim elections. What's going on out here? Oh, what's going on is Cyril made some big news last um, on Tuesday um, concerning the Land Expropriation Act. Um, he announced that the proposed amendment of the Constitution um, to clarify the conditions under which the expropriation of the land without compensation would take place. Yeah. So the RAND responded to that quite in a big way because in the past few weeks, you know, the RAND gained about 3%. So we were strengthening. I remember last week we almost reached below 13 RAND, and, but we didn't, but we almost did. Um, that was good because we were strengthening. But after this announcement, we reached 13 Rand, 13 Rand 40. That's where we are at today. Um, so it's quite worrying on that end. So do you think this was a particularly good move? Because I know that um, some economists and pundits out there have been saying that um, this particular position that the ANC has taken is more about um, positioning the party um, in cons- uh, regarding next year's elections as opposed to actually doing something for the economy. 
Yeah, a lot of them do think it is politically motivated. Um, they believe this is a way of ANC aligning themselves with the EFF. Um, so EFF don't have something to um, promote as they, they, they campaign. Um, but what what he's trying to do, what I've read on, on the commentary on it, what Ramaphosa is trying to do with this um, amendment is that he's trying to promote um, redress or the compensation for past injustices. He's trying to advance economic development. He's trying to boost food security. He's also trying to transform, you know, the unjust um, realities in urban areas. So if you look at it from that sense, he is trying to help the economy, although it does not seem that way. Um, there's always two ends of the story that we should always look at. Okay, cool. So, moving on from that, I understand that we have some uh, unemployment, some employment figures that recently came out. Yes, um, and it's quite scary as well. I think I'm bringing some bad news. I hate this. Um, the quarterly labor force survey showed, um, which actually measures the unemployment um, rate in the country. Um, so, the, uh, the official unemployment rate is at about 27.2 percent. And it increased by 0.5% since the first quarter. And one of the interesting facts I read was that of the 10.3 million people aged between the ages of 15 to 24, 31% of them are unemployed. Um, That is a scary number. I'm saying that's a very scary number. It is, because when you think of a 24-year-old, you think of a graduate. And when you look on Facebook or all these social media platforms, you'll always see a graduate posting a picture of them saying, um, I've got my honors or my master's, please hire me. And that is the reality we are actually in. And it's worsening um, unless government does something about it, unless they encourage businesses to... um, you know, hire or create job creation. Unless government does that, we are in for a very, very serious um, third quarter. It's going to be, we don't, it's going to be, I don't know, otherwise. Um, Zanele, does the quarterly jobs report actually give an account of what are some of the reasons why um, perhaps um, the numbers are rising or falling? Like, is it that there's uh, our companies hiring less? Is it that uh, automation is coming in? Like, uh, do they actually give an account of that or is it just um, uh, taking note of where the numbers stand? Um, they did mention a few things. Um, they first said that it's the reduction in the GDP, so that because our economy contracted in the first quarter by about 2.2%, that did play a huge role on businesses um, creating jobs for young people. Their business confidence was low because we did not um, improve in our GDP. Um, also, government spending, is not government spending, but government um, debt is quite high. Our country debt is quite high, um, and that's also one of the limitations we have because if Cyril were to say that he's going to create um, jobs, he would have to find some way all this money because we currently do not have those resources or that funding because of how high our um, government, our country debt is. Okay, so that was us. We were on the line talking to our financial expert. We are with uh, Zanele Kunene on the line. Uh, she is from BDO Wealth Advisors, giving us a roundup of the week's uh, top trending business and economics news. As you heard, one of the things um, that we say right here on the business bus is uh, the fact that one thing always affects the other. And I'm just going to bring in Klingue very quickly and say, would you have thought that um, a contraction, you know, we talk about contraction, 
contractions in March and then but then now you're hearing that because of that contraction that happened a long time ago now businesses are are not hiring like the way that the economy works everything yeah. just you know interrelated like a, interdependent yeah um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's how, like you're saying the the manner in which the free market operates, and yeah. and 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 also the operating in the global economy, like the impact of, for example, something that happens in China yeah. or the U.S. and the impact that it has in, in Africa. It really is just mind-boggling. It is very mind-boggling. So, as you heard, uh, uh, jobs, uh, especially youth employment, is up. Uh, she said that we're sitting at around 31 percent, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that companies were contract. Um, especially in the last quarter. So, um, on the other side of this, Lenya is going to be giving us our Buffalo Index as she tell us, tells us the state of your 100 Rand. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. The, the Business Buzz. Us right here on VowFM 88.1. It's time for us to get into our Buffalo Index. That's a part of the show where Tlingyue tells us the state of your 100 rand. What do you have for us today, yes. Tlingyue? So today, since we're talking all things reputation management and crisis management related, we are going to look at two courses that speak to reputation and leadership. Yeah. Um, the first one is from the prestigious institution of Oxford. All right. And they offer an MBA program that um, speaks to reputation and leadership management and it would cost our listener 9,904 buffaloes. What? Yes, which is 990 thousand four hundred and eighty seven rand seven cents to be specific. To learn about reputation management. To learn about how to manage one's corporate reputation. That's a million. Okay. So, and you're looking at the, that's a course fee, and also you're looking at a lifelong Oxford Union membership. Clearly, yeah. that must be um, a gift that gives on uh, giving, um, at a, coming at a, a price tag of a million. Yeah. Um, so, and then they also just give an estimate of like living um, costs, accommodation, food, personal items, and general living costs. That that comes to a separate total of three thousand two hundred and thirty buffaloes. So you really have to have deep pockets. But I guess um, the reputation management is something worth investing in if it could cost you a lot more. Yeah. And then on the uh, more affordable side of things, we have a local company called Blue Magnet and they offer a reputation management course for 25 buffaloes. So that's 2,500 rand. That's not bad. And it even includes um, course material and lunch. And that's a one-day <laughs> workshop <laughs> because lunch matters. Yeah. And that's a one-day workshop um, that people can sign on um, for um, online uh, reputation management and, and learning about how to, to manage these important things. Okay, cool. So would you do it like a million for a reputation management course? Uh, reputation management isn't necessarily my passion so I think I would try I'm an entrepreneur at heart I would find a way to uh, grow the one million instead so and then eventually maybe use it to do if I would wanted to study for something more health related not reputation management per se but I, I feel like you know there is a need when you have a, a company as big as Facebook or all these other big corporates that are worth billions one yeah. million rands is uh, an investment that's definitely worth it it's peanuts to them Okay, you said you're an entrepreneur at heart, so I just yeah. have to ask, yes. would you then hire someone who's gotten one of these uh, million rand uh, 
you know reputation yeah. management. I think once I have more to lose yeah. and uh, yeah, even in you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs you have to cover the basics first so it depends on the level of entrepreneurship <laughs> that I'm at once I'm at the Facebook level then definitely I want to hire someone like that <laughs> yeah okay cool so that's our Buffalo Index you heard the state of your 100 Rand if you want to get uh, in the whole reputation management game um, it's a bit tough it's a bit tough out here. Uh, you heard that if you want to do something that's an MBA, yes, focus specifically on reputation management in uh, Oxford. At, at Oxford. Yes, it is a million rand. It's an interesting world we live in, a very expensive world, per se. But anyway, that's it. Uh, on the other side of this, we're going to get into our main topic. We're going to be talking to an organization that uh, has been uh, going through a rebranding uh, effort at the moment. And then we have a PR professional in studio with us who's going to be telling us why it's important um, to have a good uh, corporate image and a how you can actually go about um, creating a corporate image for yourself. So that's on the other side of this. Keep it locked. This is the business buzz. More justice on the business buzz. We are talking reputation management, branding, corporate images, and the like today on the business buzz. And uh, just before this, we just came from giving you our Buffalo Index. We have also given you our business wrap. And right now, it's time for us to get into our main topic for tonight. And as I said, we are talking branding and corporate image. Um, so for everyone in South Africa, for those who might be living underneath the rock, you might not know this, but ABSA has a new logo. And uh, for those uh, that are living under said rock, we're going to be talking to um, David Wingfield, who is the head of marketing for ABSA, and he's going to be just running us through how they've actually uh, gone about this and actually why they decided to do this at the time that they have. Hi, David. How are you? I'm fine with you. I'm fine. Thank you. Um, having uh, been uh, a South African citizen, I'm sure a lot of people uh, know and understand that ABSA, if I'm correct, uh, this is the third time that they've put together a new corporate identity, I think, in, I think since independence. Um, I think it's the well, it depends. It's quite an, that's an interesting question because <laughs> ABSA, ABSA in in it, in, in it, the, the way it looked until nearly three weeks ago um, was actually only launched to the market in 1998 um, as ABSA um, using the logo that everybody does recognise, which is the it's got that um, symbol, which is actually an alpha and the ABSA in capital letters. It was only done in 1998 and. This rebrand is obviously now exactly 20 years later is a complete relook at what the organization is based on a whole lot of things, which I'm, I'm not necessarily want to bore your listeners with, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so lots of reasons, but it, it essentially has not changed in 20 years. Yeah. So I think our listeners might then be interested to just know what the thought process uh, was behind the actual rebranding and more specifically why, especially since you've brought up the fact that um, the ABSA logo and the red color is something that uh, was sort of sort of very well known and synonymous with South Africa, something very recognizable. Um, so in switching it, um, why? So it, a lot of it has to do with the history, I think. Um, so we, um, in, in 2005 and um, through to 2013, Barclays um, 
in in which is a is a UK based company um, started to buy up um, uh, pieces of Absa, and by 2013 was in fact the majority shareholder with over 60 percent of the shares. Um, and we then formed a a a the, the listed entity no longer was was Absa. Um, on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, it became Barclays Africa Group. And in Barclays Africa Group, you had ABSA, the bank in South Africa, as well as Barclays Bank in nine markets outside of South Africa on the African continent. And they then obviously in 2016 took a decision to sell their African businesses. Um, so we really had a choice to, you know, the only thing we did know was that we could no longer be Barclays Africa Group as a corporate entity and that we certainly couldn't use the Barclays name um, as our bank um, after um, a certain date. Um, yeah. So in South Africa, we couldn't refer to it um, from, 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 uh, as Barclays from June um, of this year and in our, in our markets outside of South Africa, we, we couldn't do that after 2020. So we had a choice to say, well... Are we going to be ABSA everywhere or are we going to change the name completely? We took a decision to be ABSA um, everywhere and stay as obviously ABSA in South Africa. But when we, when we looked at it, ABSA was designed in, in, as, as, a, as an organization that had been through this very, very interesting phase with Barclays as our parent, which is British, a lot more austere, <laughs> conservative, if you think about it. Yeah. And, and, and ABSA hadn't really been changed in 20 years. Culturally, as well as, um, as uh, or, or, except that we'd kind of been imbibed by this Barclays thing, culturally and, and from an identity point of view. So if you get an opportunity to re-look at that, you, got, you, you kind of look at it and go, ABSA was, when it was designed in 98, was designed for an analog world, if you think about it. Most of the, other than your, other than television advertising and stuff, digital didn't really exist, if you think about it that way. Whereas in 2018, if you're designing a new brand, wouldn't you design it for digital first, because that's the future, and then see if you can reverse it back onto an analog environment, which is, for example, physical branches or ATMs. So that's exactly what we did. We set out to take with us what we owned, which was the name APSA, take with us what we own from a color, which is red, and we then reinvented it to be a digital first looking brand. Um, and at the same time, internally, we've been doing a lot of strategy and culture work with our own people yeah. um, to, to really reinvigorate and, and relaunch and, and reimagine our business. Because basically our business and how we pitch up to the customer eventually is our brand. The fact that we have a new logo um, is, is merely a signal that this is a very different organization that we're now trying to build. So, in terms of that uh, engagement with your stakeholders, you've mentioned the fact that um, you had uh, the the you had workshops with your internal uh, with the staff at APSA, and you had uh, teachings around what type of culture you want to inculcate in you, in the in the bank itself. But in terms of other stakeholders, whether they're investors or um, uh, the actual banking clients, was there any type of engagement that was done yeah. with those groups? So, so Malibu, yeah, we we spent we spent um, two from 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 the time when Barclays announced they were going to sell us, we spent two years um, working. We 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 researched, in other words, we spoke to directly through surveys over 130,000 of our own clients, customers, wow. and consumers. We asked people what kind of bank they wanted to 
to, to, to deal with. What do they think the future of banks was? What does an African financial institution look like in the future? What does a South African, what does a Kenyan financial institution look like? What do you want to be part of? And at the same time, we spoke to 4,500 of our own people. We have 42,000 across, across the continent. We spoke to 4,500 of our own people asking them, what kind of place do you want to work for? What place do you want would make you proud? Um, so it was a very, very interesting exercise in terms of generating insight about what it was that we wanted to be. From that, we developed a, we, we, we have a new business strategy. We developed a new brand strategy. Out of that came our new purpose to bring possibility to life through this attitude of being brave, passionate, and ready. And from that, the last piece was, okay, let's design what that might look like, which is the logo and all the color stuff that people now see. But as part of that, once we'd finished that, we then went back to our 42,000 people and put them through a series of workshops to help them understand where we came from, how we got here today, what's the work that's been happening, what you told us previously about what kind of organization you wanted to work for. Right, this is what it is, and this is what it looks like. So, so that's kind of the, the last two years. So in terms of that now, um, in terms of because you've already uh, the rebranding uh, started uh, a few weeks ago, and yeah. I and I would assume that it's it's been a bit of a process. How has it been received, especially by uh, your clients and the general public? And what sort of advice would you give to some of our young listeners who might be starting businesses but uh, don't realize what the value of uh, a good corporate image is yeah so um how it's been received i mean i think i think the the, the point is this is that there's, there's there's two big i would say two big audiences that was very important for us obviously externally our, our clients our customers these are most important because they're very important because that's that's you know that's why we're in business um so the reaction we've had is in the main being neutral because people look at you and go, okay, I see you. Now I'm waiting to see how this may be different. Okay. Of course, there's been people who have been negative. There's been people who've been positive. Um, I've, I have always been um, I'm very honest with, with, with the people I work with to say, understand also in social media, whether you are ourselves, EBSA, or when Google did a logo revamp or Uber or Airbnb, there are lots of people who've got who've got a lot to say, and it's not necessarily positive. That's that's just the way of the world because it's new. People don't like change. <laughs> but on but on average, it's been neutral. Wait and see. Yeah. Internally, it's been incredibly well received. Now, it's and 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 this I suppose is the advice piece for people starting out in businesses or who end up having people work for them. We should never underestimate particularly in businesses like ourselves where you're the service industry, the power of the brand is the power of the people. If your people don't believe um, and don't believe in, in what you stand for, it doesn't matter how pretty you may make it, the greatest ads in the world, the greatest looking logos, it's not going to solve the problem because they're not going to deliver the right level of service or the right um, level of, 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 of product delivery to the customers. And that's what's been critical for us is that we got it very well received internally so that we could change some of the behavior. We could go up the scale in terms of our, our, our delivery um, and then obviously off the back of that also new products. But it's really critically important. You've got to look after your own people. 
You can't just you, you can't just put it out into the market and expect your people to to believe it. You have to work with them. You have to ask them what 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 role they play. You have to help them with the role that they play, and then you can take it to to the outside so that we can visibly change it and then change the experience as we go. So you have to build a culture inside your organization. That was us on the line with uh, David Wingfield, who is the head of marketing at ABSA. <coughs> he was just giving us a rundown of how they came about uh, making the decision for rebranding um, the new logo, which they're saying that uh, is meant to be pointed more towards a digital first strategy. And he was talking about how they've engaged their various stakeholders. Um one thing that really struck me about what he was saying uh, was what he said at the end when he said that uh, for a lot of people in the public, it seems to be a, a look and wait game. Uh, people are trying to see, will this really be uh, something that's actually going to be different in terms of the ABSA experience or whether um, the new colors are actually, the new colors and the new logo are actually going to represent sort of a new starting point from the bank. But I guess that will, it, it's a wait and see game. Even, uh, I don't think even, he he said it that it's neutral that it will only be after some time that they can actually be able to make a real judgment about it so that's it uh, in terms of that particular case study uh, but on the other side of this we're going to be getting into some uh, some examples of uh, companies that have uh, done their pr very well and other companies that really have failed and we also have a pr professional in studio who is going to be g- giving us some tips and tricks on how you can uh, Give yourself the best image and actually weather uh, some of these scandals that do happen. So, yes, on the other side of this, we get into that. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. You're tuned in to The Business Buzz. We're talking branding and corporate imaging and communications today on The Business Buzz. Uh, we just came from talking to David Wingfield, who is head of marketing at ABSA. He was just giving us a rundown of the process that they have had to go through to actually rebrand the bank which has had a uh, corporate identity that's been there for decades now and they're actually going through the process of making uh, making people sort of more aware that they are in 2018. Um, so, but we now want to move uh, the conversation forward and uh, at the we're joined in studio. Uh, we have Chantal Riley who is from PR Works uh, who's going to be giving us... Uh, some insider information yes yes around <laughs> around no pressure uh, <laughs> how are you Shanda? fine thanks and how are you uh, no no i'm all right so what we have uh we have some case studies okay. you know two very brief case studies uh we've got uh the the famous ford cougar mm-hmm. and then we've got jet blue okay so we're just going to play these two clips and then uh, we're going to listen in and then we will you know have a, a bit of a discussion. I'm playing you with some background. Yeah, just, so just to give uh, insight to our listeners, it, the one is an e- ENCA interview uh, with CEO Jeff Nemeth yeah. um, uh, from Ford Cougar. And then the other clip is going to be JetBlue CEO David Neeleman. Um, so, yeah, let's listen to those. More than 3,000 Ford Cougars have been brought into dealerships around South Africa following the company's decision to recall the model on Monday under pressure from the National Consumer Commission and rising public opprobrium to take action. Joining us to discuss the events of the past couple of days is Ford Sub-Saharan Africa CEO Jeff Nemeth. Thanks so much, Jeff, for joining us in studio today. So this has been branded a PR disaster of note. Why so slow to react? Uh, 
to this, which has seemingly managed to spin wildly out of control. Yeah, I think the um, the important thing is that we get the customers that are in their Kugas into the dealerships so that we can replace the parts that are necessary to be replaced and and make sure the customers are safe, just ensure that their Kugas are safe. So we're really pleased that we've been able to get 3,000 of them so quickly. Um, it's um, The way recalls usually work, um, we send out letters and emails, and actually this is, will probably... Uh, dear JetBlue customers, I uh, just wanted to introduce myself. I'm David Neilman. I'm the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of JetBlue. And I have a, a quick message for you that I want to share with you. Um, obviously, the events of the past week uh, that have uh, been uh, well documented in the press uh, are really something that I um, obviously is the most difficult time in our history. Uh, and, you know, as, as really all challenges, as when they come your way, um, there, there are a couple things that you can do. You can ignore it and pretend like it was an aberration, or you can do an examination and determine if that's if there's something that you can do uh, internally to make sure that that never happens. So those are our two case studies. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what are the feelings from the room? I'll start with the one I know, just <laughs> yes. because okay. the cougar. Uh, hey, that was tough. But I felt like it wasn't as bad uh, as... You know what, there's been a lot of recalls mm-hmm. in the last five to ten years. I think Toyota had one a couple of years ago that mm-hmm. was massive. In 2010, they had 8.8 million. Yeah. 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 That, that's a lot. Yes. And considering that the Cougar, does, I think the Cougar is only sold in this part of the world. I can't remember the, the, the specifics. So I think for them, it was one of those sort of like a localized issue, um, as, issue opposed as opposed to, to being, being a little bit more global in yeah. impact and i think you can see that from their reaction and their reaction time specifically uh he says that you know we've taken a while to to come back <laughs> to you and um i think that's one of the issues that brands have is they see potentially as a localized problem um as a big conglomerate and uh, don't actually realize how big an impact it was but i think we saw it on the ground. It was a big problem for us as South Africa, and we expect Ford International to take it as big a problem uh, as we see it. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think they waited for, until there were like 40 cases, yeah. and one of them was um, it resulted in a death. Yes. And I think that that was just a little too late. Um, I think sometimes engaging, even engaging early on, um, needs to be truly just authentic, and, mm-hmm. and you need to, even when you're unsure, you need to start engaging with people so that they know that their concerns are being heard. And I think that's what fe- people felt, that their concerns were really not being taken seriously. I'm got, I've got a question, and mm-hmm. I think some of our listeners might also have this question. Because the Ford Cougar thing happened so recently, I think a lot of people are familiar with that. But JetBlue, yes. what's the run down there? So JetBlue was um, a hailstorm that hit the east coast <laughs> of the U.S. Yeah. And, um, and, and their response was just really phenomenal. Because instead of blaming the weather, because it's something that really wasn't really um, their fault. But yeah. how their response was just phenomenal in the sense that they issued a, a public letter of apology their customers and um, they introduced a customer's bill of rights and they also um, presented a detailed list which included monetary compensation um, and what the the, 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 the corporation was actually going to do to help customers that were affected so that was a great example of how you can handle a crisis and in, in a manner that feel, makes a customer feel like they truly matter yeah Okay, that may, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> so now that we have uh, Chantal in the building, I'm just going to ask very quickly. 
can companies come back from some of these things you know i think um the whole gupta thing for example mm-hmm. has had some of the big corporates um their local business units are suffering at the moment yeah so the question is after such scandals is it that the business is going to close down or in five years time would we have forgotten that some of these have things happened and you know the global the global brand image comes back takes over and then they just continue doing business i think regardless of whether it's a global brand or a local brand how you handle the scandal or the crisis really defines how you're going to move forward so if you are late to the party if you sit back and go okay well i'm gonna wait and see if this is gonna blow up or not we always say to our clients be honest be open be transparent go to the media or to your clients if there's a problem talk about it first and say you know what guys we messed up or we've picked up this issue because then it almost becomes sort of a non-issue if you wait for it to hit the public and for them to start talking back to you and say okay this is an issue then it becomes an issue because it seems as if you've kept it from them that you haven't kept them in the loop i mean the public and your staff are your best brand ambassadors and if they feel like they're being left in the dark about a huge issue like your car potentially <laughs> catching a light and um, exactly. killing you then they're going to feel betrayed and they're not going to um, come back to, to the brand. They're not going to want to work with the brand or, or buy a Ford, regardless of what um, make or model it is. We now think Ford, we think Cougar, we think Fire and... Risk. It, yeah, risk, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's actually done a lot for uh, a lot of brand damage. Whereas, like as you say, JetBlue, it's weather. Uh, we all have been stuck at airports or um, flights have been delayed because of weather or we've spent lots of time going around ORT waiting <laughs> to be able to land. Mm-hmm. And for an airline especially to come back and say, you know what, guys, um, this is the issue. This is how we're going to fix it. We care about you as customers. Here's how we're going to help you. Of course, those customers are going to be like, wow, this is an amazing brand. I'm going to continue to fly with them. So you can come back. But it's how you respond and how you deal with the matter. Don't like kick it under the rug. Don't be like, oh, well, yeah, this is an issue. We'll look into it. Or, you know, wait for 40 cases before you go, okay, we have a problem. Absolutely. And just the difference in terms of those two clips, you hear that the one is, the JetBlue one is actually a, U- a YouTube video that they did um, in their own accord. So not under pressure and um, they're going out of their way to engage with their Mm. customer. And you're looking at the other one, it's almost like um, a a forced situation (laughs) where you've been called by a media house and you have to be there to answer questions. So yeah, very different, uh, a reactive and proactive approach there. And I think also just the way that they said we're we're, um, sending letters to our clients and emails. I'm like, I... I would be putting out messages on social media. I would be taking ad spend going, you know, we're not sure if your cougar is going to have this issue, but you know what? Bring it in. Let us check for you. And the fact that he says, oh, we've had 3,000 and that's great. And then he gives the number of how many are actually on the road. And I'm going, okay, um, I'd want 
everyone to come in and bring and just err on the side of caution and say yeah. we have your safety as our number one priority. Absolutely. Whether you're concerned if you have a Kuga or even if you have just a normal Ford and you're concerned, bring it in. Let us check it out for mm. you. You know, you are our number one priority as our, our clients and our customers and we want to make it right. That would have been a much better response. Okay, so now the question is where does where do you come in? Where do we to, come in? <laughs> into this process do you see do you see for example um ford going through this thing and then you sort of call the ceo and say listen chap you need Business. us we've or done that does, before or do they come to you we've done that before where we've seen um certain brands haven't handled it quite so well or um certain figures haven't done so well in speeches no names mentioned <laughs> and, and given their officers a call and said you know what uh we can help you we can make this better in the future and i mean we have clients We've dealt with crises. We've actually won awards for crises uh, for a certain international airline that we um, handled. We won several uh, PRISM awards for the way that we handled one of their turnbacks that happened to have some Springboks on flights. And, um, you know, we can help both before the crisis hits. We said all our clients have a crisis communications plan in place and for every single one of my clients I have a binder that has already got okay these are the scenarios that could possibly happen here's how we're going to respond here are certain questions that could be asked and how you should go about approaching them for us it's important to prepare our brands and our clients to make sure that if they have to sit in front of you guys they know how to answer the questions they know how to take care of their own customers because at the end of the day if a brand whether it's a crisis or not speaks badly or is handled badly especially in media interviews or just even on social media I mean it's so important these days you can impact a brand negatively and then it takes a lot to recover from that I have another question what's the difference between marketing and PR because I feel like sometimes we conflate the two or sometimes you hear that someone you hear Kling Rezondo is the marketing and PR person for this and that. Are they the same thing? I think they work hand in hand uh, with one another and we do that. Some of our clients do have different marketing companies or agencies or departments that we work hand in hand with to make sure that they're getting their message out both in advertising and then when we come in from a public relations perspective we also do marketing. Public relations really is looking after the public and their thoughts and opinions of you, whether that could be in marketing materials such as brochures or billboards or in the media. We are a little, I wouldn't say a little bit more trained, but we tend to handle the media more so from a interview and um, press release point of view, getting the messages out there, whereas we work hand in hand with the marketing department to ensure whatever messages we're putting out, they're putting out as well. So I really, there are different disciplines and there are, but the differences are so slight that you you really can do the, the two together. So, but they work hand in hand and it's good to have both PR and marketing disciplines. So okay. many lessons there, so many lessons. <laughs> I think the highlight for me is just, you know, from what's been discussed is engage early and yes. yeah, engage authentically. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Now, Chantal, I think you can help us to solve a bit of a debate that we've had uh, you know, <laughs> on the business buzz. Um, so the business buzz, we, sometimes, we sit in planning meetings and we discuss, you know, the, the, the business environment, all yes. of that stuff. And a question was posed in one of our meetings and we're talking about um, the image of a, of a, of a person 
okay. or or a corporate yes. on social media. Yes. How deep is, um, let's say, being dragged on Twitter, for example? Like, okay. is that if if you have a compl- if let's say Tlingu has bad service um, from Nando's, for example, and she yeah. goes on an entire okay Rampage part one, part two, part Nando's. three, uh, <laughs> a whole thread, a whole yeah. thread. <laughs> keep reading right. to be continued, and then she's retweeted by like everybody and there's 20,000 likes and 40,000 retweets on her yeah. on her thread all of that living stuff. the dream living the social media dream <laughs> how deep is that is that really deep especially considering how few people they actually are on Twitter or is there's it there's a lot of people on yeah, Twitter I think for us um, a lot of the time our clients actually um, don't understand how important Twitter is. They they think you know uh, just Facebook, and um, will respond to comments on that. But on Twitter, you have eighteen minutes to before a tweet becomes irrelevant. Really? Yeah, and um, the only way you can keep it relevant, obviously, is to be retweeted and you have the conversation going. However, if you don't respond in those eighteen minutes, you're going to cause huge damage, and it's quite funny because a lot of the time the people that are complaining on Twitter have like four or five followers but you know what those are four or five people who could tell in person or on Twitter four or five other people and you create this almost like um, avalanche effect that they keep talking and I I really think you know everyone like people complain so that their voices can be heard and all you have to do is just go out and say like uh, we understand your issue. Uh, here's how we're going to fix it. Or uh, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. We'll have a look into that. Just showing that human touch, because even though it's social and it's electronic, there's got to be a human element to to whatever you're doing, uh, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever you are, if you're still on Google+. Plus, whatever you want to be doing, <laughs> you need to be showing people that there is a human nature to your brand that they can connect with. Uh, we've seen this uh, also with a couple of crises that we've had where clients have been like, we just want to have media interviews and have press releases. And we go, well, who's handling your social media? Oh, no, 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 that's fine. Okay, but who's handling your social media? Oh, no, 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 it's, it's fine. We'll get to it in a couple of days. But that is where the public now are turning for their news to complain, to give you compliments. And um, something as simple as what we did for, for one of our clients, I actually sent them letters on Facebook as the CEO of the company and said, thank you so much. This is an issue. We're going to be looking into it and signed the CEO's name. He'd given me permission, obviously, to do that. Okay. okay. And yeah, don't <laughs> worry. I, I checked first. And the responses we got back from that to say like, wow, I can't believe that the CEO actually contacted me. Makes me feel so important. I'm definitely going to stick with this brand. So regardless of whether you've got five, 10, or 15, make sure that you're going back because you never know when it could blow up in your face, even with just five followers. Hmm. Okay, I think Klingyu is going to definitely be tapping me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you win the debate? I, I, I need to win the war, not the battle. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after, don't Absolutely. worry. I've got, I've got some other Thank ideas you, for you. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. 
Okay, so lastly, uh, because we are uh, running out of time, um, earlier on uh, we were talking to uh, David Wingfield from yes. APSA about their rebranding. In your view as a PR professional, how do you feel um, that exercise has actually gone? And more importantly, was it necessary? You know, because uh, they've had this long established brand for all these years, but now they're trying to get people to be sort of reoriented in, 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 in a sense um, to what their brand is and mm. what it means? I think what's great about it is that they have actually gone out, done the research with the various groups. They haven't just decided, oh, I'm, I'm going to completely change my logo and I'm not going to tell anyone, I'm not going to do the research. They've spoken to their customers, they've spoken to their employees, which are equally important. Brands yeah. often forget to communicate with their employees. And then done this launch. Um, I have seen some of the negativity calling the logo to be too similar to a, um, a in, international brand. And um, I think that the way that they could have maybe potentially responded to that could have been like why we did uh, what we've done, you know, uh, we always say to clients, if you're going to do a um, CI change, go out to the media and say, like you did now, we've kept our red, we've done our research, exactly that, put out a press release, uh, talk about why you've changed it. And I think brands do evolve and they do, they said they wanted to become more digitally relevant because they understand that their future markets, that's where they're sitting. So I think they're thinking ahead yeah. and starting to talk to that market before that market even realizes that they need to be spoken to and that's really smart. And the way they've gone about doing it I think is really smart and there's always going to be negative people, there's always going to be people who don't like your logo, <laughs> the fact that they used red, they've always been red guys <laughs> uh, you know and I think they'll grow from this and I hope that they can take that feedback both positive and negative and use it in their campaigns moving forward and realize these are the voices of the people this is how we're going to be communicating forward okay so that brings us sort of to the end of our show uh, we're just going to uh, go for a quick ad break and then on the other side of this we'll come back with some final thoughts keep it locked this is the business buzz the business, the business buzz. buzz on the line we're actually joined by uh, the ceo of the national arts festival tony lancaster and we're going to be looking at the business of festivals we conduct a major economic and social impact study and what we found in the last survey in 2016 is that the festival contributes around about 377 million rand to the to the GDP of the province of the Eastern Cape and about 94 million rand to the GDP of Grahamstown. Tune in to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. only on Power FM. The, the Business Buzz. So we were talking uh, corporate imaging, we're talking uh, public relations, we're talking a bit of marketing, uh, but that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening to the show. Uh, thank you to David Wingfield from ABSA by running through um, why ABSA did what it did in terms of its rebranding and their thought process around that. And then thank you so much to Chantal Riley from PR Works uh, for coming in and just schooling us a little <laughs> bit around uh, you know the issue of uh, PR and branding. Branding. Thank you so much, Chantal. Thank you guys so much for having me. Okay, cool. Takeaways, Sling Yue? I think for me, it's uh, the most recent one was inclusivity uh, in research. So talk to all the different stakeholders from your employees to the public and, and how that feeds so nicely in terms of how people are going to receive whatever changes you want to implement. And, and then um, in terms of um, your reputation management, it was just engaging early and engaging authentically. Mm. I think my big takeaway is uh, perhaps I need to rethink 
how deep social media is. Absolutely. Specifically Twitter. <laughs> Powerful tool. <laughs> Powerful tool. And then uh, the other thing I liked is uh, what uh, Chantal was uh, talking about um, earlier on when she sort of differentiated how sort of localized brands and more international brands tend to uh, deal with issues on the ground. And it also then, I think it points a little bit um, to bureaucracy in some in some cases uh, because, you know, an issue can happen on the ground, but then before you deal with it, you need to have okays from this, that, and the next, uh, you know, department in this region, and then the head office over there, then they'll come back to you. So I think, you know, sometimes it can be a bit uh, convoluted. And honestly speaking, the public doesn't care about your corporate structure. They just want to know that you are communicating authentically, as you said, and that you make them feel um, like they're people. So, yeah, that's it in terms of our show for today. Um, as I said, thank you so much to everyone who was listening to uh, the show. Um, coming up next on uh, Vow FM, uh, we're going to be having live beats, so definitely make sure you don't turn that down. But otherwise, in terms of uh, branding, communications, all of that stuff, uh, you can continue the conversation online. So, yes, with that, we've uh, reached the end of uh, tonight's show. Thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, Elna Schutz, our producer, Welcome Lishiva, and then our technical uh, production, unfortunately, Kutluano is not in the building today uh, but yeah shout out to it him but we have cat in the building yes. uh, who's been r- you know, running uh, behind the scenes for us today thank you so much to him for coming through uh, don't miss the business bus same time same place next week uh, for more insight into the world of business as i said uh, coming up next we have life beat so definitely make sure you don't turn that down for myself mudio mob justice kavaza and lengi wazondo the rest of the team is good evening and take care Listen to the business buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Power FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.